Welcome, everybody, to Twisted News, where we'll get you up to speed on a pair of crazy stories that are currently happening in the world. I'm Andy Fitzgerald, and thank you guys for tuning in. If you enjoy our podcast, please do subscribe and give us a review so that we can let other people know about us. That would be very much appreciated. Hope you guys are having a good day, and for today's episode, we're presenting two insane crimes that happened decades ago. However, recent developments within them have brought them back into the news. The first one, while despite being considered solved, remains highly disputed, and thus, it's considered the most controversial case in New Zealand. The second story just recently got a development that everyone was hoping for, and the cold case of Joy Hibbs may have finally been solved. Get rid of your scary mysteries, twisted news. Number 1. New Zealand's Most Controversial Case Cases that are considered controversial usually feature situations that hit close to home. The circumstances feel familiar to the public, or the people involved remind them of someone they personally know. Oftentimes these cases become extremely controversial, and even more memorable, when something seems off-putting about them. These are the reasons why this missing case about two young friends remains to be the most controversial case in New Zealand, even after more than two decades and even after the suspect remains in jail up until now. On the last day of 1997, a group of friends joined thousands of other people partying at the Far New Lounge in the Marlborough Sound. The place is known as a holiday destination It's located on the South Island of New Zealand and is only accessible by boat or what was locally called a water taxi. 17-year-old Olivia Hope was with her sister and friends when she went to the lodge and it was there she met another friend, 21-year-old Ben Smart. They all celebrated together along with everybody else to welcome in 1998 After the party had died down, the pair decided to return together to the chartered yacht Olivia's older sister Amelia and her friends had rented, called the Tamarack. Their entire group was supposed to spend the rest of the late evening there. However, Olivia and Ben soon learned that all the beds had already been occupied. Around 4 or 5 that morning, after Olivia retrieved her personal belongings and a sleeping bag, Her and Ben caught the water taxi that stopped by the yacht with Amelia and another friend getting off of it. Olivia and Ben then rode the water taxi to look for a safe place to sleep the rest of the night. There were three other passengers on that water taxi. One of them, a male who was later described as a drunk, scruffy man with medium-length, wavy hair, apparently invited the pair to crash at his boat nearby. Without many options, they accepted the offer and so the trio was dropped off at the man's two-masted catch. This account would later be recalled by the driver of the water taxi, Guy Wallace, and Guy would later be considered a key witness in the case, as Olivia and Ben went missing and were never seen or heard from ever again. On January 2nd, Olivia's parents reported her missing, and what was initially thought of as an innocent misadventure by the pair was soon proven to be a serious matter. The search mainly focused on the catch where the water taxi driver Guy dropped them off and it was later revealed that by 8.30 that morning on January 1st the catch had already left. 
Several investigators and police were brought in from different cities to help with the investigation. Police sketches of the man and the two-masted wooden catch were released to the public in an attempt to identify and track them both. Public appeals from the police led to investigators being able to map out the area where the boats were moored off. An overwhelming number of photos and videos from that night were submitted by those present in the area that evening in an attempt to help with the investigation. Nine days in, after the two were reported missing, police then released information about a person of interest. A man named Scott Watson, a 30-year-old local man who had brush-ins with the law in his teenage years, now became the focus of the investigation. However, Watson didn't exactly look like the man the witnesses described. He had short hair and was clean-shaven. His boat was also different from the one the guy described. Watson's boat was a single-masted steel catch. What the prosecutors used to tie him to the disappearances were the hair strands allegedly found on a blanket in his boat. It belonged to Olivia. However, it was later revealed that there's a possibility of evidence contamination that happened at the lab. There were also several testimonies from witnesses that described him looking like the man described to last be seen with the pair. He was also seen to be having altercations during the night, but the people involved never came forward, nor were they identified by the police. Guy picked Watson out of a montage of photos, identifying him as the passenger who offered the pair a place to sleep. Now, five months after the disappearances, Watson was arrested, despite his insistence on being innocent of the allegations. In September of 1999, he was then convicted for Ben and Olivia's murders and received a sentence of life in jail. The possibility of parole would only be available after a minimum of 17 years served. Over the years, Watson had tried to request petitions to overturn his conviction or be pardoned, but those all failed. In 2021, shocking news, though, gripped the nation. Guy Wallace, the water taxi driver and key witness in the case, was reported to have committed suicide on March 21st at his home in Greymouth. Over the years, Guy maintained that somehow he believed that the prosecution had used him and other witnesses to send an innocent man to prison for a crime he didn't commit. He revealed that he was shown two different photos of Watson taken during the night in question, which the defense found odd. He was also the one who testified that Watson's boat was entirely different from the boat where he dropped off the trio. The prosecution, however, insisted that the boat was exactly the one that Watson had. Recently, on May 25, 2022, after having been in prison for almost 23 years, Scott Watson was granted by the Court of Appeals to appeal his conviction. In particular, to challenge the photo evidence used to identify him. His appeal is now due to be heard on August 31, 2022. Cases like this stay in the minds of the public not only because of media coverage, but also because of how the details regarding the case seem to present themselves differently as time passes. Over the decades, repeated reports show that the public opinion regarding the conviction has greatly changed, from the majority believing Watson was guilty to the exact opposite. It's difficult to just ignore the opinion, 
that there may be something wrong with how the investigation went, and perhaps the case isn't truly solved just yet. Number 2. Joy Hibbs Cold Case Cold cases exist because of a lack of evidence that's led investigators to a dead-end trail in search of the truth. Some feel that justice may never be served, but for others, the search and fight for justice are some of the things one should never get tired of. This was what Bucks County District Attorney Matt Wentraub in Pennsylvania believed pushed the investigators to keep searching for the truth regarding the murder of Joy Hibbs even after more than three decades. On April 19, 1991, 12-year-old David Hibbs arrived home from school only to be greeted by a huge fire engulfing his home. Based on her routine, David's mom, Joy, who was 36 years old, would most likely be in the burning house. And sadly, authorities were never able to save the mother from the supposedly accidental house fire. However, during the investigation, they soon learned that Joy was already dead even before that fire started. She'd been stabbed five times, strangled, and beaten badly. There was also a computer cord found wrapped around her upper torso. An autopsy later revealed that there was no smoke found in her lungs, which backed up the investigation that Joy was already dead before the fire started. This then led investigators to believe that the fire was started simply to destroy evidence. Also revealed in the autopsy was the fact that Joyce smoked weed earlier that day. That information would later become one of their important leads to track a suspect. Apparently, a neighbor named Robert Atkins, then 25, occasionally sold marijuana to Joy. It was believed that the two had an altercation, which could be a motive for the crime. He was interviewed twice, but only remained as one of the investigator's persons of interest because there was no other evidence to tie him up to the crime. In 2014, Atkins' ex-wife, April, was first interviewed by police, where she said that the family was in the Poconos on a trip during the murder. Over two years later, she revealed to Bristol Township Police a harrowing story that she had kept for so long out of fear of retribution from her ex-husband. According to April, on the day that Joy died, Atkins arrived home covered in blood. Along with their two children, the family went to the Poconos and stayed there for a couple of days. This information, voluntarily shared by April, was the critical piece of evidence that the police had been searching for. Finally now, fast forward 31 years after the crime was committed, Robert Atkins, now 56 years old, was arrested and charged with first-degree murder, second-degree murder, seven counts of arson, and two counts of robbery. For the families and lead investigators, this development is what they had exactly been hoping for. And this just shows that the truth can truly prevail, no matter how hard you try to hide it. So there were two of the most bizarre and disturbing stories around. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, then check out more of our episodes Or if you're looking for something a bit longer and more in-depth, you're going to want to check out our other podcast called Everytown. Everytown has a dark side, and over there, we show it to you. Links are in the description below in this episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon.